Hey there, friend, and welcome to the Self Love for Breakfast podcast, where we have honest conversations about health, wellness, self-care, and of course, self-love with amazing women who aren't afraid to give it to us straight. Real life, real advice, and no BS. I'm your host, Crystal Rose, and today I'm serving self-love for breakfast. This episode is sponsored by my group coaching program, Pendulum. So if you are looking to align yourself in your business, you want to eliminate burnout and hustle, this is for you. If you feel like you have been on like the diet, self-sabotage, hamster wheel, and you just want to feel good in your body, like regardless of what you're doing with training and nutrition, this is for you. If you struggle with anxiety or depressive spirals, and maybe there's trauma or maybe not even trauma with a capital T, but there are some past hurts that have created this, this is for you. If you feel like there's something wrong with you and you don't know what it is, but you feel like that's true, this is for you. If you want to become more connected to yourself and who you are meant to become and find out what even that is, this is for you. If you want to remove the unworthiness and step into deep self-love, this is for you. And if you want to shatter any damn limiting belief that's holding you back, this is for you. Maybe you have done all the mindset work. You've bought the books. You've listened to the podcast. Maybe you've made some progress in the past and you feel like you keep backsliding or you feel like you can't get past this point that you're at now. This is for you. This is a six-month, very intensive, co-nourishing program. And by that, I mean that you are in community with other women. There are other women who have come to the table, they are working on themselves, and they are supporting you in this process. And whether or not you are, maybe you're too shy to put yourself out there in front of other people, this container is so safe. And when other people share you reap the benefits. Maybe you don't want to share. Maybe you don't want to talk. That's okay. Because this program is designed where you can do the work individually and together in a way where it doesn't, you don't have to necessarily share um, in order to reap the benefits. Now, if you do, of course, of course, that would be really helpful. And you are helping other people by sharing your story, but it's not necessary. If my last group is any indicator that this stuff works. Oh my goodness. There were so many friendships and deep relationships cultivated during this process. There was so much support, so much love. And you guys get me in your face, (laughs) loving, supporting, and being there for you. I am so, so, so dedicated to the women in all of my programs, um, and especially this group program. It is very near and dear to my heart. So if this sounds like something just even a little bit intriguing for you. We can do this in multiple ways. You can slide up in my DMs um, at Extel Rose on Instagram. We can chat back and forth. I would love to talk to you about it. Or you can go ahead and book a discovery call with me and we can sit face to face and have that conversation too. I absolutely love hearing from you guys and I absolutely love knowing like what you're going through so I can really see if it's a good fit for you or not because it may not be and that's okay. 
So if you go to crystalrose.com, you click on coaching, there's more information about the pendulum program, about what I do, about what it looks like, everything that you get. And if you still have questions, you can absolutely reach out to me at Rose on Instagram. We start in January and it is going to be the best way to kick off a new year and not just a new year, a new life because this program will help you transform into the woman that you're meant to become, the woman you already are. And there is no backsliding. I hope to see you in there. Now back to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Self-Love for Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Rose. I'm so happy you're here today. And today is the first day that we are using the Self-Love for Breakfast podcast, as opposed to the Self-Love Breakfast Club And the reason why we changed the name, again, if you've been around since the beginning, (laughs) if you're an OG, uh, then you know. Um, But we changed the name again because, well, a couple of reasons. One, I I started a membership community, a membership site and community. And so that is the club. That's the real club. Um, You know, it's. I felt like with the podcast, you know, it can't really be a club if we're one-sided. I'm talking to you. Um, and yeah, you know, we can talk in DMs and on Instagram and all of that stuff, but it's not really a club if I'm just talking at you. So <laughs> I created the Self Love Breakfast Club, the actual club, so that, you know, women can come in and get tools uh, for their healing, for their personal growth, personal development, and then also have unshakable support in the process. There are other women there who are working themselves. It's a super safe, non judgmental space. Um, and it's truly, truly amazing. We have uh, three events a month. We have a social event, we have a breathwork event, and we have workshops where an expert will come in or I will teach a class on something that'll help you level up mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even financially. So it has been incredible. Um, and you can check that out by going to selflovebreakfastclub.com. Now, I felt like in creating that, the podcast needed a new name. And I thought self-love for breakfast, because that's really where the self-love breakfast club came from. That idea of if you wake up and your first meal of the day is nomin on some self-love, then you are set. You're going to have a better day, no matter what, a better, more aligned day. And so that's the goal. So I hope that when you guys listen to this podcast, you feel like you're starting your day off with with something for yourself, right? Like when you wake up in the morning and that like 30 seconds before you put on the hat, you know, whether you're a mom, a sister, a significant other, an employee, a boss, you know, all those things are identities or all labels and you are you, right? Like you are you first thing when you wake up in the morning you are you. And so to really feed and nourish that part of you, that's just you, that's my goal with this podcast. And so I felt like self-love for breakfast was a little bit more fitting. I hope you guys like it because I think we're, I think we're going to stick with it. (laughs) I hope I don't, I'm not going to change the name again. Okay. I I swear this time, this is it. So today I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about my own mental health journey Mental health is so, so, so important, right? It's something that is is now being talked about a lot more. People are being more open about it. People are being more open about their own mental health journeys, what, what that's about, um, what they're doing to support themselves, and trying to let other people know that they're not alone. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I think it's really important to talk about when you're struggling, 
It's not always pretty. It's not always, you know, glitter and sunshine and rainbows out there. And so when you're able to, you know, share yourself, another person can be like, oh, wow, like if they can do it, so can I, you know? Um, and that's been really important to me. I, I want, I don't want anyone to look at me and be like, oh my God, she just wakes up in the morning and like farts glitter and then like everything is easy for her. Like, no, hell no. I have worked my ass off to get here um, to this place that I'm at. And, and when I say that, I don't mean, you know, social status. I don't mean financially. I mean, I mean alignment. I mean, in this place with myself that feels comfortable, that feels safe, that doesn't feel spirally because it was hard and it was a long, long journey. And I have never wanted anyone to look at me and not get, not know that part. I feel like it's so, so important. You know, we can always hide these parts of ourselves that, that other people might view as a little bit ugly. Um, you know, so it looks like everything's easy for us and great and all of that, but that's not real. That's not the truth. And if you've known me or followed me for a while, then you know I'm all about keeping shit real. It's important. And, and honestly, I think other people's health depends on it. It's really important to continue to do that. So I wanted to take some time. I don't think I really shared in depth about my own mental health journey on this podcast yet. And I, and I think it's important. I think it needs to be discussed. But I also really... I'm excited because my views on mental health have changed dramatically in just the past couple of years. And now I feel like I have a little bit more hope to offer. I feel like I have a little bit more to offer when it comes to this conversation. So I'm, I'm really excited to kind of dig in with you guys and, and just share. And if at any point you resonate you know, with something I'm saying or you resonate with this podcast or it helps you or you think of someone who needs to hear it, please share you know, go on social media, screenshot this episode on whatever platform you're listening to and share. Tag at Excel Rose, tag at Self Love Breakfast Club, because yes, we're still we're still using that account for this. Um because <laughs> this is under the umbrella of it. But you know, just share and and not only, you know, share because it could help someone else, because that's so important, you guys. But also, you know, I really appreciate you guys sharing my work because, you know, this podcast is free. It's free content that I created for you guys. I've taken time to create it for you guys. So whenever you share, it means so much to me. And it also means so much to me that it is reaching more people and and we are able to hopefully help more people. Like that's the goal, especially with, you know, this podcast, but all of my work, my goal is to impact and help as many humans as possible, especially women. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll get, we'll get started on this. So when I was a little girl, my father was physically abusive to my mother. Um, so I have experienced a lot of trauma from a very young age, um, when I was born and I was in my mother's arms, my father put his hands around my mother's throat. And he did that again when my sister was born. So this was the kind, um, this is the kind of, you know, parents that, that I had. Um, this is what I grew up with. I remember being scared a lot, all the time. I was scared of my dad. Um, I could hear them fighting at night and it was awful. And when I was five, my sister was born and almost immediately i felt a shift you know my the attention went to her my mom and i had been really close up until then 
and I and I couldn't understand it, but I just didn't feel special anymore. I didn't feel like I was worthy of attention because I wasn't getting it. And I remember like there would be home videos where I was literally leaping in front of the camera and and not because oh I'm a ham and I want to perform, but it was like see me. I'm here. I'm here too. I'm here too, you know, and it was always focused on the baby. And I didn't quite get that. Uh, my parents divorced when I was about five, and just like my sister mm, was probably about a year old, so like maybe six ish, um, really. And not too long after, you know, my mom ended up meeting a wonderful man and remarried. Um, but the, it continued to go on where I felt like I was left in the cold. My sister was the focus, and there would be times where. I would ask for something for Christmas or, you know, for my birthday. And then I would watch my sister open it <laughs> instead of me. And I just never felt good enough for my mom to love me. And she just got continually, continually frustrated with me um, and mad at me and upset with me. And I felt like I could not do anything right after a while. My birthdays would get canceled. I got coal in my stocking one year. It was It was really hard. And I remember feeling like... I remember feeling like something wasn't translating. I knew who I was, like somehow as a kid, right? Like I knew who I was. I knew I wasn't bad and horrible, um, like this picture my mom was painting about me. And and she would. She would paint this this picture. I was, I was referred to as a demon child um, to like friends and family. And everyone felt bad for my mom and like, oh, that you have to, you know, you have to put up with this and all of that. And I was just like basically told that I had gotten my dad's my dad's stuff, you know, his genes, his personality, whatever. And I looked like him more than, way more than my sister did. You know, my sister looked like my mom. And so that was like another, you know, add to, to add insult to injury. Um, but yeah, I just remember feeling like, I don't know why she can't see me. And I must be doing something wrong where she's like seeing this horrible output. Like, but I couldn't figure it out. And I remember just like sobbing, sobbing one night because I was just so heartbroken that. It didn't make sense to me. I couldn't figure it out. And I could just feel like something was coming. So the first time my mom sent me away, she sent me to live with my father. And the, <laughs> after what she had went through with him, you would think that that wouldn't make much sense, um, that she would not send her daughter off to live with someone who hurt her physically. But she did. Um, and so I lived with him for about two years and, you know, things were okay for the first three months, but shortly thereafter, um, they were not. And so I was, and I'm getting emotional now, but I was um, physically abused by my father for a couple of years. And there were times where, you know, things were reported and then I was threatened and um, I just thought, felt like it was better to just keep my mouth shut. And so I did. And also, you know, there were plenty of other students and friends that didn't believe me. They're like, your dad's a great guy. Like, you're just doing this for attention. And it was, it sucked. It sucked to be told that, you know, when you're basically afraid of everything, afraid to breathe. And plus I was a teenager, right? So I like still wanted to have fun. I still wanted to, um, you know, <laughs> hang out with my friends and like talk to boys and all of that. Um, and it was... It was like walking on eggshells constantly, and I definitely felt like I couldn't do anything right. And of course, you know, like I said, I was a I was a teenage girl, so I, you know, I made mistakes, and 
I, you know, flirted and kissed boys and stuff and that pissed my dad off. But it also really pissed him off if like I left dishes in the sink, you know, like it was like there wasn't really a range. It was just like full out, super angry um, when that would happen, anything. So it was awful and really hard. And so I moved home after a couple of years of being with him and that was... I thought things would be better. You know, I, I didn't really talk to my dad for a little bit after that. Um, and when I was with my mom for like another nine months or so, it just all rapidly went downhill. And I could just feel like I, I didn't know. I didn't know how to make it better. I didn't know how to get her to like see that I wasn't a bad kid. But also I had this like these layers of pain and trauma that I had just experienced that no one could understand no one in my life could really understand, and I didn't understand it. I didn't know how to process it. I didn't know how to deal with it, um, but it was there, right? It, and it hadn't been there before, you know, except maybe at a smaller level from when I was a little girl witnessing my parents. And so here I was, you know, more damaged, trying to be on my best behavior so my mom wouldn't send me away again. And then after about nine months or so of, of being at home with her, she did. And I was sent to um, a therapeutic boarding school, which if you guys have heard all that, you know, the stuff that was going around about Paris Hilton and the kind of school she went to, it was it was similar to that, like basically like a reform school. Um, and so, yeah, I had therapy every single week. We had group therapy. Um, you know, we therapized each other. We were set up um, at this school to call each other out, to help each other heal, to hold each other accountable. Um, you know, it was very student-run um, to some levels, right? Like they gave us all responsibility and basically we wielded like power sticks with each other. Like there were times where um, I was sent to different parts of the campus because the group decided it, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't an adult <laughs> making decisions. We all made these decisions about each other's like where we would be in the school and if we could progress and all of that. And, and you guys, this is like a whole different episode on this school because um, it was later classified as a cult. It was shut down. You know, I went to school with people who belonged in a hospital. Like they needed another, like a deeper level of care. You know, there were some people who like outright maybe should have been in jail, you know, like there, there were a lot of different people. And then there was like people that were just kind of like their parents found a place to put them. And so I spent about four-ish years um, at this school, and there was a lot of psychological and emotional abuse that went down here. <laughs> so you can imagine by the time I turned 18, I was over this shit, right? Like I was done being shuttled around, uh, being sent away, having other people in charge of what I do with my life. I was done. Um, and I actually ran away. I didn't graduate from that school. I ran away because I wanted to make the decision. And I promised myself, I knew that there was a lot of darkness. I knew I had a lot of dark shit to get through and to deal with. And I just promised myself as I was dragging my bag of clothes through the woods, um, and I was doing it through the woods so someone didn't drive by and throw me in the back of a van and bring me back to school because that had been known to happen. Um, regardless of whether you're 18 or not. And so I just promised myself, if I fall, I won't fall too far. 
I know how to I know how to bring myself back up. I know where to go. I know what to do. And at the time, um, you know, we were being kind of forced into recovery. So there were people who were in Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. And so the 12-step programs and the rooms um, were very familiar to me. And that was the only place I knew that I absolutely, if I needed help, like that's where I would need to go. And so when I left, um, that was the first thing I did was I found meetings. So if you if you have ever uh, been to a meeting, if you've ever been to meetings or you're sober um, and that's part of your recovery, then um, this was a very comforting place for me because that's what I had known for several years. And I was so afraid. Um, and I hadn't, you guys, like I hadn't really done drugs or drank or really anything. Um, you know, like I gained some weight at school because that's what you do, I guess, when you're depressed and you're eating your feelings. Um you know, and so like these didn't really like apply to me like really at the core. I was like 15 years old when I went into school, um, but I knew that there was a support system there, and that was really, really, really important for me. And so I put myself through 12-step. Um, I was in the 12-step program for about a year after I left school, and then I realized, you know, like maybe I'll be okay um, without it. You know, I wanted to make sure it was kind of like my insurance policy for myself. No one else made me do it. Um, and and so I stopped going after about a year. Yes, I did drink alcohol eventually. Um, and I felt okay about it. And and so I felt, you know, on my own. I had to take care of myself. Um, I my, my family, um, you know, they were talking to me after I left, but like I still had relatives that didn't buy it. They were like, she's, you know, I was still the, that 15-year-old demon child, according to them, according to my mother. Um, and so I felt like I was really starting at the bottom in that I had to prove myself, not just to my family, but to the world that I would make something of myself. And I didn't know what that would be. I didn't know what. I just knew that I was not going to fall into the darkness um, and that I would be something, that I would do something great. And so I committed to being my biggest cheerleader, my, sometimes, most of the time my only cheerleader, and pushing myself um, to do whatever this great thing would be and to follow my heart and, and to continue and then, again, catch myself when I started to slip. Uh, you guys, I, I spent years, um, you know, I, I wrote a whole book about it, but I spent years uh, cheating on my fiancé at the time because I desperately needed the validation I needed. I didn't feel worthy of love. I didn't feel lovable. And this was my way of, of, you know, trying to control that, trying to get more love. Like, oh, see, like I can get this person's attention. I can get this person to love me. Um, I just didn't feel worthy of it. And, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter how much attention I got. It was never enough. Um, I constantly wanted to change my body. I tried so many different things, fad diets, uh, HCG, cool sculpting, whatever I could do to fix myself so that I would be more desirable, more worthy. Um, and I, I spent years and years doing that. And you know, whenever things got a little too dark, I, I fulfilled my promise to myself and I pulled myself out. But things got dark and things got dark often. Uh, you know, when I met my husband, we were not very far in and I had gotten um, my first uh, breast augmentation. And after that, I was in bed for well over a month. I could not get out of bed. And I don't know if it was the, the anesthesia mixed with um, 
my, you know, my own chemicals or, or what it was, but I was, I was a mess. I couldn't, I couldn't move half the time, you know, he'd come home from work and I'd still be in the same spot. And, and he, I mean, oh my gosh, you guys, like what a man, because he didn't understand it at all. It's just not what he's ever had to deal with or go through or seen. Um, and he was so supportive and tried his damnedest and, and I shut him out. I shut him out a lot. And, and that was the one thing he asked me later on. He was like, you know, I can deal with the depression, Crystal. I can deal with the, the struggle. He's like, what I can't deal with is you shutting me out. I need you to let me in. So, you know, when we talk about medication, I personally, um, I had been on a lot of medications. I'd been on medications in boarding school. There were some that I fucking hated how they made me feel um, or not feel. <laughs> Some I just felt nothing, and I hated it. Um, I'd been on anti-anxiety. I've been on so many things. Um, I've also been on ADHD medication because I discovered that was part of um, what I was dealing with in my twenties. Um, I, you know, sleep medication. I don't sleep very well. Obviously, like trauma um, is a, is a big reason for that. So I had all of these, you know, medications that I had tried and dabbled with and, you know, was on for a little bit. And one day I just decided, like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And I really hated the idea that I had to either be on medication or just feel like I was managing a mess constantly. And that's really what it felt like. It just felt like I was constantly, like, trying to like hold all this stuff like my arms weren't big enough to hold all of it you know like when things start slipping out of your your arms and you're dropping stuff and and that's how I felt I felt like I could never just like hold it I I didn't think I would ever just be able to heal and move past that and it was just two ways you take medication or you find ways to deal and cope I cannot tell you how many days that I would wake up in the morning and just not want to exist I just didn't want to exist. I wanted to disappear. The pain was too much. And I never felt like anyone understood me. I'd walk around some days like just really deep, deep in the hole, just sobbing sometimes and just like feeling like there was not a single human I could call. Even though I know so many amazing, amazing loving people, it was like, I could not reach out to them because one, I, I was afraid that they'd just they'd say things that I I know, right? Like <laughs> or that, that that I didn't find I didn't think would be helpful, right? And so I just didn't reach out because I just didn't want to hear it. And I didn't really want people to know that I was struggling so badly. And at least until after the fact, it was easier for me to go on social media and be like, oh, you know, last week was really hard with my anxiety or last week was really hard, you know, I was really depressed or whatever. And in that moment, it was, it was so paralyzing. It was absolutely paralyzing. Um, and I just, I just didn't think it would ever change. It felt like a life sentence. And when I would, um, you know, read about celebrities ending their lives, I just, I got it. I understood. I'm like, wow, you know, they're in their fifties, sixties, whatever. Like it makes sense because after so long of being in so much pain, it's like, when is this going to end? You know, like when is this going to stop? It's exhausting. So I actually, um, I founded a nonprofit and I'm not sure I've, I'm not sure I've said this out loud, but 
It was after um, someone I knew locally um, had ended her life. And I just got this idea to start this nonprofit. And I had this like whole, this whole thing that like, came through me. And I know that I founded it in order to save my own life. I knew that I needed something to cling to um, that was more powerful than my desire to not exist. You know, like I love my husband. I love the people in my life. But it just, at times it just felt like that wasn't always enough. So I founded this nonprofit because I felt like if I could help other people, then that would be enough. That would be enough to keep me here. And what ended up happening was I found out that my mother um, suffers from bipolar. And I don't want to get too deep into that because that's, you know, not, that's not my story to tell so much from her side and what she deals with. But I realized that this had been, this, she'd had this my whole life. And the reason why she treated me the way that she did was, was because of this. And it all started to make sense. And, and you guys, like, I, this is decades. This is decades of pain and not understanding what was wrong with me. And then realizing, finding out that maybe there wasn't something wrong with me. You know, my mom just really believed there was. Because that was her brain. That was her mind. That was her illness. Telling her that I was a monster. That I was ruining her life and she needed to get rid of me and her life would get better. And so this was a very painful realization. And I immediately um, went back to therapy. I'd been in and out of therapy over the years. Um, I went back into therapy and, and was able to unpack this. I knew I just needed to process it. I knew it wasn't going to like heal you know, all the wounds from the past, but I, I knew I needed to kind of unpack this with a professional. And my husband came with me, and so he would come with me to every session and support me and and you know sometimes he would answer questions or sometimes he would kind of like add his own understanding of what was going on um, and I'm so thankful for him for for being that support for me and for for him being willing to you know be a part of it be a part of my healing um, and I really wanted him there because I I wanted him to just like understand a little bit deeper of, of what I was actually going through and you know maybe in the future if anything were to happen to me. Uh, that he would be able to know what to do. And that, and that's really what I wanted. I wanted him to know what to do if things got really bad. Uh, so I was with her for about six months. Um, then I like technically graduated, you know. <laughs> so graduated from therapy. Um, and this was in the very beginning of 2019. But you guys, I spent all of 2019 in and out of the hole, in and out of the hole, ups and the downs and the walking around and the crying and then the numbing and the feeling like this was a life sentence. This was a life sentence. And I still, I still couldn't get a grip on it. I still couldn't quite figure out how to hold all of it without it slipping and leaking and getting all over the place. So... I actually went um, at the end of 2019, and and however you guys feel about him, like I know there's a lot of shit going on about him, so like I'm not gonna speak to that. Uh, but I went to a Tony Robbins event, and I I just thought he was a motivational speaker. But what happened was actually transformational. At this, I got my first taste of embodiment work, um, and embodiment work is what I actually do now as a coach. Um, 
But I got my first taste of embodiment and I'm like snotting on myself. I was crying so hard um, at this <laughs> at this conference, you know, like people, everyone were like where there was screaming, there was crying, there was yelling, there was laughter, there was joy, there was so much stuff. But it was the first time I ever felt like realized that I was responsible for my emotions. I, have, I had emotional responsibility. I could master my emotions. Now, I didn't know what that actually meant, <laughs> I, but I knew that in a way, like I would have some sort of control over how I felt. I didn't believe I had control over how I felt. I thought like my, just my emotions ruled me. My brain ruled me. Everything else was in charge. And then me, I was just along for the ride. Um, but after that, when I came back from that, I was like, no, I can master my emotions. And that was my goal for 2020. That's all I wanted was to master my emotions and really figure out the depths of what that meant for me. And so it's really interesting how things work. I don't know if you believe in like the universe, angels, God, the source, nature, whatever. Um, but to me, there was such a divine amount of alignment, like these breadcrumbs leading me to where I needed to go. And this is where I became a coach. And through the process of becoming a coach, I worked on my own shit. Not only did I work on my own shit, but I healed so much of my own shit. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, if you're going to work with someone, if you're going to work with a coach that has not worked on themselves, like the depths of what you need to do, run away. Because you cannot hold someone else if you have not held yourself. And so I spent 2020 healing my shit and then learning how to guide other people through to healing their shit. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm getting so like, I'm like smiling right now because since then, since the beginning of 2020, I have not had an anxiety spiral. I have, it's almost 2022. I have not had that sinkhole of depression. I have not woken up in the morning and not wanted to exist. I am so grateful for this work because I truly believe that it saved me. I truly believe that. And I find, I, I feel like it's such a gift and it's such an honor to be able to guide other people struggling with same or similar or even not even close to like what I had been through because I know that I have been through what I have so I could have that depth of compassion to hold other people through their processes. So I can sit there without judgment. Another person can just open up everything and let me see all parts of them and it's okay, I've got you. I would never be able to do that for other people had I not gone through what I went through, had I not healed myself afterwards. There's no way. There's, there's no way. And now it's like my greatest joy, my greatest gift, my greatest honor to guide other humans through the same process that I went through. And so I really wanted to do this episode 
about mental health because, like I said, for so long I really believed it was one or the other. It was like you take medications and like you're not, you know, don't feel a full, fully feel like, you know, normal, like without, <laughs> like you would without it, right? And quote unquote normal. I hate using that word because it doesn't really fit, but you know. Or you're trying to manage, you're trying to scramble to keep it in check and like inevitably like something will drop and it's just trying to like keep things from dropping. But since I've done this work, I have not had to worry about the not dropping part. I haven't even had to think about it. It has like naturally through this process of healing come out the other side where I don't have to, I don't have to worry about that. I, I've gone on on a couple of trips recently where normally I, my social anxiety would have been like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it, I would have felt so awkward the whole time and I felt so good. I felt great being with around other people. I felt okay. I felt safe. I didn't feel awkward and weird and like, oh God, why did I just say that and then analyze you know, everything for days <laughs> afterwards, days, weeks, months. It's truly a gift. And so... That's where, you know, my um, my outlook on mental health has changed so much over the last couple of years because I really just thought it was something that you just had to deal with forever. But what if, you know, and I'm not saying that there aren't people with like true chemical imbalances that is just, you know, like, like my mother, for example. I mean, I, I don't know about where that came from, the bipolar disorder. I don't know, you know, like I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is this this anxiety and this depression and, and this PTSD and stuff that I have experienced. And because I experienced it due to trauma or due to past hurts, right? Like even if none of these other, you know, things had happened to me and I only had to deal with like just, you know, feeling like I was fighting for my mother's love, right? Like that doesn't feel super traumatic. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who maybe have gone through that that are like, oh no, that's not trauma, right? But it's still it's a it's a wound. And so now I understand that, like, what if we were to heal these wounds, these past wounds, right? Maybe mental health is more of healing past wounds and trauma because it's a manifestation of these wounds. It's a manifestation of this trauma, this anxiety, this depression, these these suppressed emotions because they weren't properly processed and healed. Because it couldn't be. And it's no one's fault. It's not your fault if that's the case, right? It wasn't my fault. Um, But it was what I needed to go through. And so I wonder, I wonder if there are so many people who are suffering that, that don't need to suffer, that can heal. Like maybe there is so much more hope. Knowing what I know now, I have so much more hope that people can heal. This is not a life sentence. We don't all have to end up in our 50s and 60s, wanting to disappear. We have hope. And so if this is you, if this any of this resonates with you, if this speaks to you, just know that you are not alone. You can heal. You can have a happy and fulfilling life. Because I swear, if I can do it, you it's so cliche. It is so fucking cliche. I don't. I hate that, but I don't, I don't care. If I can do it, if I can get here, so can you. I love you guys so much. I'm so grateful for you listening. 
You are always welcome to reach out to me at any time. I'm here for you at Extel Rose on Instagram. And that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode or maybe just got a little bit of something out of it or can pass it on to a friend that you think it would help. Bye for now. If this episode hit with you, please go out there and share it. Share it in your Instagram stories, send it to a friend who might need it, or even just drop in my DMs on Instagram at Rose and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you guys. Thanks for listening.